Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And we are here to give you another episode. That's for the first time in, like, what, two months that all three of us have been in the same room? Maybe three. Maybe three. Has it been? Huh. Well. It's been a while. Time is weird. It's nice to be back together again. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> it's so nice to be able to interact with human beings. Uh, yesterday I went out to a restaurant and I was able to sit down in the restaurant. Oh, they were letting people in? And they were letting people in. They were like doing, you know, people had to wear masks at certain points. And then they spaced everybody the correct amount. So they were good. Even the people waiting outside, they had placed chairs the correct distance apart that people needed to wait for their table. Cool. But at one point, this like older man got up and just like was like, you're all beautiful. It's so wonderful to see human beings again. Everybody, It was just this really like sweet moment because everybody was like, oh, thank you. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Have they increased prices in the restaurants? No, seems the... Seems like it's the same prices. They got to be running at a loss, though. Oh, you know what happened? Uh, they did replace menus. I don't know if this is anything across the board, but they're starting to, I think, replace menus that you could get your hands all over and stuff with... Um, they had a QR code on the table. You scan it, and it pops their menu up. Huh. That should have been a thing already. That's I know. Awesome. No, that's kind of one of the things that... I mean, I hate to say there's things I like about coronavirus, but <laughs> it's it's forcing people to like adopt optimization things that they should have been doing already anyway like wearing masks when you're sick they Hmm. do that in asia Uh, i don't know why in the western world it's like you can just cough all over everybody because i've got i've got my rights (laughs) my rights to infect all of your children in my preschool by bringing my like kid with the stomach virus we want to breed strong kids so yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) shall we jump in then yeah uh, we're doing a sequences yes we are. and the first one is semantic stop signs Indeed which is, is very sneaky it's sneaky it's just got lots of s's in it oh oh okay uh oh sneaky uh, I, yeah i think i guess that came out of sneaky well you don't normally semantic stop yeah. semantic stop signs are kind of sneaky semantic <laughs> stop signs Right. Who wants to kick us off? I I, I realize I've not said this out loud. (laughs) I probably should have practiced. Uh, So, and the child asked, Where did this rock come from? I chipped it off the big boulder at the center of the village. Where did the boulder come from? Probably rolled off the huge mountain that towers over our village. Where did the mountain come from? The same place as all stone. It is the bones of Ymir, the primordial giant. Where did the primordial giant Ymir come from? From the Great Abyss Kingdom Gap. I can't say that word. Breaks character for a moment. That thing. Where did the Great Abyss, that word, come from? Never ask that question. Hmm. Funny thing about that is something very similar happened to me when I was a child. Yes, me too. Yeah. Where I asked, oh, well, well, if God made everything, who made God? And I was told, don't ask that. Yep, I was in a catechism because I was Catholic. I was the little asshole kid that was like, well, if evolution's not true, how come we've got bones from Aohippus, the dawn horse? I Good can... <laughs> lord, what age were you in? I was a little nerd kid. Okay. <laughs> I liked, okay, I was. I loved dinosaurs, I loved horses. I'm, I'm just curious what age you were. I discovered Aohippus and all the, the early horse like morphs before horses started looking like horses, and I was like, it's a dinosaur horse! Nice, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like really happy about the fact that it existed and would talk to everybody that I knew. Did you know that there's this horse that existed that was the size of a pig and it had toes in it? <laughs> but couldn't the answer just be God made it? 
No, they didn't believe. Well, it's, I think that hasn't the Catholic Church actually come back on its views about evolution now? They're like, yeah, evolution happened, but God did it. I I mean, that is one of the things. I don't know if the Catholic Church specifically has grabbed that one. Probably. I think they have. Yeah. Because they have like a at some point Vatican just... and they have pre- like they have people in authority who are able to say the, the new official belief is that purgatory does not exist. Yeah. They did that recently, too. You can only deny, you know, the existence of evolution for so long. You know how we kept saying that purgatory exists and that, like, you have to pay people money in order to get your loved ones out of it? Actually, they were those guys were wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Purgatory isn't a thing anymore? It hasn't been for decades. Yeah. Christ- You're talking about limbo. Uh, limbo, No, yeah. Hitch talked about how they got rid of purgatory. I what think the I th- fuck? I think there's some distinction between limbo and purgatory, but I don't actually know what it is. Do people just go to hell for a period of time then? I don't know. I don't I don't think they do. Like it's it's all bullshit. Well, I mean, <laughs> I know no, but the official Catholic doctrine was that no one goes straight to heaven because no one's good enough to. That you can tell if someone's made it to heaven or not uh when they can start appearing and doing miracles. I don't know. I haven't been in the Catholic church since I was little. Like that, that's I, what a saint is. A saint is someone who has gotten out of purgatory and into heaven and now they have access to the Jesus powers so they can, you know, grant miracles and shit. My parents used to bribe me to go to church by buying me a box of Cracker Jacks and they would have these little resin animals. You know, like the Cracker Jack prize. So I would like grumpily shove myself into this horrible dress that I had to wear made of curtains and uh, horrible stockings and shoes <laughs> that don't bend. Made of curtains? My grandmother made me uh, church dresses out of some old curtains. That's awesome. That's point. like total sound of music thing. It is, it, but it wasn't good. Crinoline is scratchy. Or like the Avengers when Tony meets, or when Iron Man meets Thor, and he's like, what is this, Shakespeare in the Park? And he's like, doth mother know you weareth her drapes? <laughs> so anyway, I used to eat the Cracker Jacks and then um, kneel on the floor in front of my chair at the church and like play with the little animals on the seat of the chair while completely tuning out whatever was going on in the church, except occasionally singing one of the songs that I liked. So, but, uh, yeah. semantic stop signs is, um, basically says, why, wh- why ask, it asks, why would anyone accept God as an uncaused first cause? Because, as any child will tell you, it doesn't make the paradox seem any less paradoxical, even if it's true. Right? Right. Yeah, that's... That's the conundrum that every child stumbles upon at some point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, so what? why does it stop there? Um, so this was just an example of a st- semantic stop sign, uh, which he used to make it make the point valent. Valent? Is that the right word? I think so. Okay, for like, us. It, because he's using, um, I believe that's Norse mythology. Um, and so we don't have, like, in case Christians are reading it and they have personal experience with this, they're not reading themselves into it, personalizing it, until he mentions that. And this is also what we do with God. And then the, you know, mysterious answers that comes after this. Yeah. But I, his, his main point is that there are semantic stop signs in the world, which is, I guess, not at all controversial, which are just there to stop questioning and uh, not really serve much other purpose. Yeah, it seems like most maybe all cultures have this sort of thing because we as humans just we don't know everything we don't know everything now we knew much less back then and maybe it's just to shut up annoying kids <laughs> my parents called me jesse yy when i was little mm. and and that served as my semantic stop sign to shut up <laughs> oh, oh I'm, I'm annoying people i guess i shouldn't ask questions well, and I think it's like not just even a cultural thing. I think people do this all the time without thinking about it. That's the broader point. Like mm-hmm. just a few days ago, I was talking with somebody about 
uh, we mentioned the protest at the beginning of the episode, and I was someone had brought up the point like I wonder if like this will lead to a big spike in corona infections and like it almost certainly will and and then I was thinking well you know if you're thinking conspiratorially this might be why they're being so liberal with their use with why the police are being so liberal with their use of uh, tear gas and other like things that make you cough uh-huh. um, <laughs> so they you know like they can be just standing you know you watch videos of people standing on the sides of roads with signs and then just like cops roll the window down and just spray mace at the crowd Oh and, my god! Do they like, do that? Yeah, Ugh. and so it's like, why would so if you're being conspiratorial about it, it's like, oh, it's so this way they'll cough on everybody and hmm. get, and then they'll all get sick and um, the and then so I, I was mentioning that to someone they're like, oh, I think it's just a cab, and so then I got to Google an acronym which is just short for all co- all cops are bad, <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't actually explain it though, right? Like so. In this particular case, a cab was a semantic stop sign for whoever I was talking with. That was a perfect example, and yeah. it it's. The, the the general rule is that it's 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 very common to find people who will use whether it's and he uses like the example of like liberal democracy that's the answer I was about or to whatever. bring that up that but, was pretty similar to that yeah but I mean all the time people will just be like oh well what about this um or I, I social justice people it's a systemic inequality yeah the patriarchy or whatever but that doesn't actually get in this will tie nicely into mysterious answers to mysterious questions but that doesn't actually give you an explanation. And yeah. so certainly not for a particular behavior um, in the case of like, uh, you know, cops macing people standing there. And I, I don't I think it's probably there's probably better reasons than probably less well thought out reasons than let's see if we can get them to spread COVID among themselves. That's why they're macing random crowds. But like the uh, the general thing of you, you've got it, you've got an answer that's cached somewhere that you just you toss out and like, yep, that sounds like an explanation. I'm done. And yeah. it doesn't actually give you any new information. I think right? in those two cases, particularly the all cops are bad and the, uh, what was it, social democracy? Liberal democracy. Liberal democracy. Um, it's also sort of serving as like, those sound like somebody's sacred cow or somebody, you know, like somebody's pet theory. Maybe it's just a, kind of a combination of let's stop this line of inquiry because it makes me uncomfortable and also say it's like, Jesus did it. I mean, you're... you're uh, Christians want to bring up Jesus as, as many times as possible, <laughs> and it seems like uh, serving some kind of dual purpose there. First of all, inserting your pet theory anytime this kind of thing comes up, and secondly, like stopping those frustrating children who just want to understand how things work. <laughs> he does end it by saying, "Be careful not to create a generic counterargument against things like, oh, that's just a stop sign." and what distinguishes a semantic stop sign is a failure to consider the obvious next question like why all are why are all cops bad or why would being bad make you do this particular action yeah (laughs) yeah and of course you know you can question the the assumption behind that too like is this even true but Mm -hmm. the the semantic stop sign in particular is like like it just said, it's it's the failure to consider the next obvious question and so well why would liberal democracy solve that problem Um, not like why is that the solution? You know, well, why why don't women's pants have pockets? The patriarchy. Well, like, that's not... Uh, why would the patriarchy not want you to have pockets? Right. right? Yeah. Uh, well, big purse market, I get. You know, whatever, right? So, <laughs> like... It's all big purse. Exactly. So, it, it's... This This is less... And we, we chose a lot of charged examples, but it's those are the easiest ones to think of, but... I'm uh, noticing, like, the urge to explain the whole history behind why women have 
no pockets because it's interesting, but it's also total sidetrack. I've got my... mainly because it fucks up the silhouette if you put yes. bulky things in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that, that would be my guess. I mean, it's funny because I've, I've talked with women who have both said, well, I wish I could put my phone in my pocket and, oh, I can't wear those pants. They're they're too baggy. And I'm like, you don't get it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> like I, the, re- I... the reason I can fit my phone, the reason why it used to be I could ride my bike to Blockbuster, which is a very old sentence, um, <laughs> and ride home with a DVD in my pocket was the because what? my... My pants. You went where? <laughs> my pants were huge, and I could put a whole DVD in my pants pocket and still ride my bike. Yeah. And the reason I could fit them is because my pants were big. Like, I that that you can't have since we don't have, you know, what do they call hammer space where I can put big things but in small places. But you do have MC Hammer pants, which have hammer space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in You've the nineties, to... I was totally wearing those like UFO pants, like the the rave kids are all wearing. Got to make your own hammer space in today's and fashion. That, that was the first time I had realized how pathetic the pockets of every like garment I owned were, because hmm. those are just pockets. Like they're, they're just like I think they called them parachute pants or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just covered in like unnecessary amounts of like cording and almost like cargo pants or utility pants for like the military or EMTs would wear, but it, they were just fashionable. Kind of with the Final Fantasy throws belts on everything. <laughs> what are those belts holding up? More belts. <laughs> belts really weigh you down. I mean, if you think about the fact that you do have to like put crystals and a bunch of accessories in order to get your abilities, but anyway. <laughs> Moving on to the next post. Um, let's see. Did we say everything we wanted to say about this? I think so. The main thing I think it was doing was setting up the next post. I was going to say, I like my my go to for what's this less wrong website about what it what it what is the the mm. sequences you guys talk about this is the one i send to people who ask me that i think I mysterious answers yeah. no oh, mysterious no, mysterious. Okay. mysterious answers to mysterious questions to me is the it you know it, there's there's more to the the volumes or the sequences than just like the main point of this mm-hmm. but i feel like this is the easiest this way to stepping stone yeah i feel like it it's it's my favorite stepping stone to show people like yep this is what it's talking about and if this kind of captivates you at all or speaks to anything that you've noticed and then you know if you enjoyed reading this and it got your your brain engine going, you will enjoy the rest of this stuff. Excellent. Yeah, this is this is the real meat of these three posts, so I'm assuming we're going to spend the most time on this one. Yeah. Um, it, it starts out with a quote from Lord Kelvin, was it? Okay, who, uh, obviously <laughs> the guy behind the Kelvin scale uh, for temperature and a bunch of other things. He did thermodynamics, right? Uh, that he did a right. bunch of stuff. I yeah. think he was a polymath. Okay. Also, uh, I don't know if we said the title, Mysterious Answers to Mysterious Questions. Yes, yes. But uh, it starts out with a relatively long quote, not relatively long, with a quote from him uh, about the Elan Vital stuff. Because uh, back in the day, people didn't know why when you moved, you could move. Like they could see there's muscles attached to bones and stuff, but... Why do the muscles contract when you want them to contract? It is, nobody knows. It's um, a long quote. I want to just read the last sentence. Modern biologists are coming once more to a firm acceptance of something beyond mere gravitational, chemical, and physical forces. And that unknown thing is a vital principle. I want to, I want to quote a few things from, from the here that he said, just to like yeah. point out the this, this line of thinking. He said, uh, life's power... Well, Okay. Life's power of directing the motions of moving particles in the demonstrated daily miracle of our human free will and in the growth and generation after generation of plants from a single seed are infinitely different from any possible result of the fortuitous concourse hmm. of atoms. Hmm. And also later, animated creatures have the power of immediately applying to certain moving particles of matter within their bodies 
forces <laughs> by which the motions of these particles are directed to produce desired mechanical effects. So, like... TLDR, they got livers. What the hell is that? <laughs> livers are weird, though. You can cut them up, and then you can put a small part of someone's liver into someone else's a liver transplant, and it'll grow back into a full liver. Yeah. Livers are weird. Yeah. But, no, the I mean, the really interesting thing about that quote is, like, it really points out just how fucking mysterious this thing was. He was like... To him. Yeah. Like, apparently, living things can just move particles as long as those particles are inside their body at will. Can I tell you a hilarious thought that I had? Uh, if, if you say it into the microphone, yes. Can I tell you a hilarious thought that I had? Indeed. Um, when I was in the shower, so of course the, this makes it a shower thought. Um, the, the beginning of this... Uh, sequence is imagine looking at your hand and knowing nothing of cells nothing of biochemistry nothing of dna and i was just thinking imagine being really high on weed and looking at your hand and going whoa <laughs> and then turning it over and going whoa <laughs> but like actually yeah i mean um it's kind of like one of the cool features of weed <laughs> uh, awkward uh is that it does kind of create that child like wonder about everything again and I think that psychedelics in general do that. Weed is a psychedelic. Um, they kind of turn off your... You know how like the decor of your house just becomes invisible to you because you, you don't see it anymore because you see it every day. You know where it is. You don't look at it anymore. Mm -hmm. But it like sort of turns off that uh, familiarity feeling. So like you can be on psychedelics and look at a blade of grass and be just like brought to tears by how amazing it is. <laughs> I think that's like a cool and important uh, thing to feel and to remember. And it doesn't have to be if you're on psychedelics. Uh, I was totally sober, just like riding a motorcycle through the mountains yesterday. And which you should only do totally sober. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and I think we're getting way off topic. We are. We are. I don't know. I just I like that about this uh this sequence though yeah where it's like or rather the the idea of the semantic stop signs and the idea of mysterious answers is actually kind of bullshit though. Why is that? I mean I mean um you know the Richard oh, Dawkins book. Gotten to what mysterious answers are, but yeah, well, um maybe I'll save this. I, I want to talk about Richard Dawkins book. Richard Dawkins book, Unweaving the Rainbow. <laughs> Shout out. Steven's like fist pumping. Okay, let's let's talk about that after we describe what this is. Okay. Well, as per the um, last line that you quoted, they came up with this uh, theory of vitalism, which I guess theory is a bit of a stretch here. <laughs> <laughs> this was the old days of science. Yes. Uh, that the mysterious difference between living matter and non-living matter was explained by Elan Vital. It infused living matter and caused it to move as consciously directed. And, uh, you know, as as you pointed out, the secret of life was infinitely beyond the reach of science. All we knew was that there was this Elan Vital that did things. Um, but he points out that, that that really isn't an answer at all. <laughs> yeah, I like that he says, calling Elan Vital an explanation, even a fake explanation like phlogiston, is probably giving it too much credit. Yeah, I like that. And this is the line that I'll never, that I always remember. It's the the secret of life was infinitely beyond the reach of science, not just a little beyond, mind you, but infinitely beyond. <laughs> what does that even I think mean? I think the next line was Lord Kelvin sure got a big kick, emotional kick out of not understanding something, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's the the just the idea that I don't understand this, and therefore it must be infinitely beyond the capacity of all human understanding. Um, yeah. yeah, but like you said, it, it's not even uh, a, as bad as a as a phlogiston explanation this is just like pure magic the cool thing about vitalism is that like if 
if you think, oh yeah, well, if the, if the whole thing, it just needs to be like, you know, somehow magically organically imbued or whatever, the idea of like controlling a golem with your mind makes kind of perfect sense. You just give it whatever Elan Vital juice yeah, and you can control <laughs> it with your brain, right. which is how we control our golem bodies, right? So why can't I just control a human-shaped golem? Yeah. That, that, that sounds like the kind of thing uh, that would have been in theory Wait, so would you like put your blood into the... Yeah, you could squirt your blood into it to try or, it. That'd be a good test. You could, you could you, fuck it. You could fuck it. That's another uh, way to put put DNA into it. <laughs> I was thinking to get more morbid. I mean, you you could like, uh, I don't know, cut off an arm and take the skin put off of it. And put kind of just. Oh like... no, I'm, I'm thinking just peel the skin off and then put that over like the glove, like the hand part of a golem. This and is see like if you a could really cool it. idea for like a really morbid fantasy magic system. Yeah. But in in those limited senses, it is in theory testable. <laughs> so yeah, kind of. I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the person running these tests, or at least the guinea pig, uh, but yeah. Right. Eliezer does say that, and this is one of the things that I am, I have really internalized. I don't know, he probably has to repeat this other places in the sequences for me to remember it this well, or maybe I've just read this post a lot, but um, that if I am ignorant about a phenomenon, that is a fact about my own state of mind, not a fact about the phenomenon itself. Yeah, I said the same thing when uh, I was actually like reading these aloud with Phoenix this morning, and uh, I, I said that exact thing. I was like, for some reason, this phrase always sticks with me. In fact, I've used it on people when like they've said, man, this is a really mysterious thing. And I was like, it doesn't have a mysteriousness property. You just don't understand it. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> this, <laughs> it's, your, this... it's your brain that's like currently not understanding the thing. The thing itself is not mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. It is. The, to this quote, A, I, I find very memorable as well. And B is oft repeated throughout the sequences. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He uh, also mentions that to worship a phenomenon because it seems so wonderfully mysterious is to worship your own ignorance. Yep. Which sick burn, man. <laughs> um, okay, so he says, Vitalism shared with phlogiston the error of encapsulating the mystery as a substance. Fire was mysterious, and the phlogiston theory encapsulated that mystery in a mysterious substance called phlogiston. Life was a sacred mystery, and vitalism encapsulated the sacred mystery in a mysterious substance called Elan Vital. Neither answer helped make some outcomes e easier to explain than others. So, yeah, just took the mystery and uh, kind of made people not notice it's a mystery anymore by yeah. saying that it's the answer. I kind of brainstormed um, a way to check if something is a semantic stop sign is, like, why does this work? If you can say it in this voice, magic, or <laughs> aliens, mm -hmm. or Alan Vital. That it's probably like it, it has a higher probability of being a semantic stop sign if it's like Can't you gravitational say forces. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. sound right though. You can like say gravity, but you, you say gravity. But you can't say it for that. Like you can't give a a long winded explanation at that voice to run with the the idea. Well, so like, well, oh man, why yeah. does why does this happen? What you know? Why why do when I uh, whatever insert chemistry here? I was going to give out some some lame example. If your answer is like why did that happen, and you're if someone asks why did that happen, and you say chemistry, that's not really an answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it, you're on the right track. Yeah. Although kind that of. is a really funny like snark. Yes. <laughs> uh, we used to have a joke at work where like we'd be discussing a problem, and then uh, we'd be like, "Oh yeah, you just got to code it." <laughs> like, so that, that was our, our go-to like mysterious answer to mysterious question <laughs> have, you, have you tried coding it yet yeah that, that, that might that might help nice um yeah he says the deeper failure behind all this was supposing that an answer can be mysterious if a phenomenon feels mysterious that's a fact about our state of knowledge not about the phenomenon itself the vitalists saw a mysterious gap in their knowledge 
and postulated a mysterious stuff that plugged that gap. And that is ultimately, uh, that is the ultimate and fully general explanation for why, again and again, in humans, humanity's history, people are shocked, shocked, <laughs> to discover that an incredibly mysterious question has a non-mysterious answer. I added that second shock there. It wasn't in the original text. <laughs> Should have been. I liked it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mystery is a property of questions, not answers. Good. Very good. Yeah. And that's why he says that there, these these things are the mysterious answers to mysterious questions things that we got to watch out for because they uh they can hi- hijack our thinking, stop it too early. Yeah. Did you read the signs of the mysterious? Yeah. Should we go over the signs? Yeah, let's... um. There's, let's see, four things that are signs of mysterious answers. Uh, if the explanation acts as a curiosity stopper rather than an anticipation controller, um, by which he means uh, if you couldn't guess a bunch of answers, and but like some of the, you're like, oh, but that one couldn't be true because this, uh, or if you if you make a theory falsifiable, uh, you are controlling your anticipation in some way. Well, and just to keep like you know the the whatever politically charged train rolling mm-hmm. that that doesn't explain you know like a cab doesn't explain why cops are shooting tear gas at people and not beanbags right yeah, yeah. so it doesn't it doesn't it's not doesn't contain if, if i if i say hey what do you think will happen here the like the the quote answer all cops are bad might say oh they'll do something bad but it doesn't give you like a way to constrain your 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 guesses right i think very importantly it also doesn't tell you why some bad people shoot pepper spray uh well some bad people who aren't cops don't shoot pepper spray at people like there's <laughs> lots of bad people out there but most of them are not going down lines of protesters shooting pepper spray at them so what the hell did that label help you anticipate differently nothing yeah i, I exactly. also disagree that people are bad i think there's definitely some bad people out there i think there are people who do bad actions i don't think from the inside anybody is actually twirling their mustache going now we'll pour this well, chemical no. into their water supply no no no. of course not nobody thinks that they are a monster very very few people think that they are a monster but um that doesn't matter to me i don't care what people think about themselves i care about whether their actions are negatively impacting me and my loved ones and that is this what makes sounds them bad. like a conversation more suited for the rest of the conversation actually right, right. uh so let's, let's put a pin a, in that one yeah uh second the hypothesis has no moving parts the model is not a specific complex mechanism but a blankly solid substance or force the mysterious substance or mysterious force may be said to be here or there to cause this or that but the reason why the mysterious force behaves thus is wrapped in a blank unity chemistry did it yeah, yeah. <laughs> third those who prefer proffer the explanation cherish their ignorance they speak proudly of how the phenomenon defeats ordinary science, or is unlike merely mundane phenomena. Crystals did it. <laughs> yeah. Your science can't explain the vibrations of my crystals, man. Man, we were just talking about those Himalayan salt lamps that people think purify negative energy. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to get one just because, like, they're pretty. <laughs> I got one. Well, I got one as a gift, but it's pretty and it looks great. It, there's this little alcove in my kitchen. I like, keep wondering wall. if you can lick it, though. You probably can't lick it. You can lick anything, but it doesn't taste like <laughs> yeah, salt. I was gonna say. Yeah, like but they probably put some kind of like coating on it. Or yeah, something. it's enameled or something. It, it does yeah. not taste like salt. So I kind of just want to get a big chunk of Himalayan salt that's a salt lick that like looks pretty as a lamp, but that I can occasionally also just break a piece off of and put in my mouth. But, ew! Ew! But, Why would you just put raw salt in your mouth? Because it's delicious. No, it's not. It's salty. Well, I, I that means you're not salt saying. efficient. <laughs> if, if you're, oh, uh, 
real quick. Life hack. If, how to know if you're salt deficient. Put a little bit of salt on your finger and lick it. And if it tastes delicious, you probably need more salt in your diet. Okay. If you're eating ash, you're probably good. <laughs> anyway, fourth. I do eat a lot of salt, so. Yeah, you're probably good. Okay. Fourth, even after the answer is given, the phenomenon is still a mystery and possesses the same quality of wonderful inexplicability that it had at the start. So, yeah, if you're thinking something might be a mysterious answer rather than a real answer, um, run these criteria by it. So you were you had a bone to pick with mysterious answers? Oh, no, the thing I was saying before was just that, like, I was agreeing with the premise of the sequence, which is that, like, answers are not mysterious. Hmm. Or, like, or questions are not mysterious. Like, um, the property of mysteriousness is the property of the fact that you don't understand something. Right. Uh, not that, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a, a good candidate that's not politically charged, and I, I make a joke about this, I think I must have read it somewhere, because it's too funny to have come from me, where... This was in the one of the uh, We Want More uh, discussion threads I was on, or discussion channels. Someone was talking about, like, consciousness and, per, you know, uh, et cetera. And I was like, oh, you're using the C word. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in philosophy, I use the C word as consciousness. And it's like, no, no, that can't be your answer. Consciousness isn't an answer. And not because it's a mysterious phenomenon, because we don't have a good, succinct explanation for it. Yeah, We've got a volume of, like, yeah, this is basically kind of what we're talking about. Um, it's kind of like what people say maybe it's string theory and i'm like <laughs> don't talk to me about string theory yeah i kind of feel that way about all the fundamental physical forces uh but i strongly suspect this is just because i don't know enough physics maybe... like i don't know why gravity makes things move things with mass move towards each other or exert forces upon each other at all times and it just like the answer gravity tells me that and i guess that does drastically change what i expect to happen in the universe but it's still i still want to know like why why so, do they do that and I'm, i feel like there is an answer and i just there is i recommend reading a brief history of time by stephen hawking i've read a number of things about um gravity and some of the other fundamental forces but it never quite sticks i don't think i really grok it maybe i'll try huh. it again someday oh man the word grok is such an interesting history and uh <laughs> i'll post it in the show notes if i remember because I will not, I will talk about it for a long time. It was invented by Heinlein and Stranger in a Strange. Yes. Yeah. And and then it became like the programmers who had who were nerds and had read Heinlein when the internet happened made made it a word again and brought it into the common lexicon because they loved that word. Yeah. Well, that's. And it made all. It was a really good word to use for programming things. I think it's a, a good word in general to have because it like it really highlights the difference between like really understanding something yeah. right and knowing just, a fact and really understanding all of the components of that fact yeah being able to reverse engineer like having a model in your head that has moving parts i think was i forget if that was how he described it in here but that's a really good way to um kind of visualize what it feels like to know a fact as like something i read in a textbook and i, I trust science which you should trust science uh, and textbooks are generally like a pretty good source of info but versus like I can actually imagine every step of the process of tectonic plates, like separating and and how that causes mountains to form and sea fissures and affects yeah. the migration of animals and early humans. And yeah, there's like nothing mysterious about it anymore. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Oh, can we real quick rant about Unweaving the Rainbow, Stephen? Yes, but I'm going to plug instead of a brief history of time, we should do a briefer history of time, the the most recent edition, because yeah. I found it much more accessible and actually just a better read. Hmm. So you if you're so? going to read one or the other, read read the newest. Uh, I think they're both very good. They, I think they are, but A, a briefer history has more new stuff in it. And it does. I think it's just, for me, it was just more succinct. Is it actually briefer? Yeah. There's more stuff and it's briefer. No, no. Did I say more? I think that, uh, I mean, it's shorter. No, you said newer. No, it, yeah, they, they added a few updates to um, models that had since been like new discoveries. Uh, okay, right. Okay. So it, gotcha. it had some, uh, what is it called? Addendums. Mm-hmm. Not the word addendums. Errata. No. It was addendums. It was it was adjustments and just like, I, like I said, as far as briefer, I've, I just, if you're going at it from like a... I want to know about this. And like, I want it now. Yeah, and I want it now and not in three hours. I don't know. Anyway, yes. So I've talked about Unweaving Rainbow before, so I'll let you give your sales pitch or your whatever oh, you're going to do. No, just my response really is that... Uh, wait, who wrote Unweaving the Rainbow, the original... Richard Dawkins. Oh, well, the, uh, the poem. Keats. Okay, yeah, that's oh. it, Keats. So this dude Keats writes... Uh, bless you. This dude Keats writes a poem about... Rainbows being yeah, he's like, oh, science is like taking apart beautiful natural phenomenon, like the rainbow separating it into its base components and then like making it boring. Newton destroyed the beauty of the rainbow by reducing it to prismatic colors. Yeah, and like yeah, so like the book on weaving the rainbow, um, is just a a rebuttal (laughs) to this this guy this guy this poem specifically, but that concept in general of understanding things makes them ugly and boring and not you know like no longer inspiring and majestic and beautiful like richard dawkins takes apart a bunch of things in this book and down to like and screams about like isn't this cool mm-hmm. look if you can keep you can keep going down more and then there's quarks and quarks are cool too and then oh my god look at this evolutionary biology things did you know that it's just every every time you start to understand something then it becomes more complex and then that, then you understand each of these new phenomenon, and then they all become more complex. It, it makes everything like more—I don't know—more of a moving a model in your head with moving parts. And more often than not, the real explanation—well, more often than not, I, I think every time the real explanation is more satisfying, not just be, like intellectually, but more interesting than the yeah, fake explanation. You know more about how the world works now. If you know how prismatic colors work, then now you can create eyeglasses. You can. Um, I don't know, you can do, you can make an LED, you can start like, because we invented all this shit from knowing about colored wavelengths and, and how that works. And I think just on a... It gives us more power. I think just on an aesthetic things. level, I find things more beautiful and I appreciate them more when I understand just how crazy complex they are and I have more understanding. Like just just looking at a tree is like, you know, it's a cool tree, it's a pretty tree. I've evolved to like trees, but like thinking about the whole evolution of of plant life on earth and how we got from you thinking know, about the fact that this tree will be here when my grandchildren are dead yeah yeah it, it all the the advanced knowledge i think makes things even more beautiful and more filling me with awe and wonder than if i hadn't had that knowledge absolutely i yeah. don't know so keats is full of shit is what we're saying fuck that guy the other my other sales pitch for this book is I'm that glad he died young. I think many people's exposure to Richard Dawkins is him like angrily ranting at anti evolutionists yeah. or Twitter. <laughs> um, like anti evolutionists or anti scientists or uh, religious people or whatever. Um and so like The God Delusion, I think, was the first book I read by him and it's a very like uh annoyed tone. It doesn't make it <laughs> annoying to read, it was very fun to read. But Unweaving the Rainbow is just pure passion. Yeah. He, he, like it's full of his own, like it's full of this, I love when he evangelizes about science because 
I love just watching somebody love something so much. Yeah, he's got the same sort of passion and and uh, poetry, the poetic way to illustrate that passion that like Carl Sagan had. Yeah, and it's it's contagious. Even in his writing, for some reason, I like that there was a passage that stuck in my head. I forget what book it was from. Might have been God Delusion. I think it was in a different one, but anyway, uh, he's he, like <laughs> Richard Dawkins is writing about him. The Pleistocene era and like some a fossil, and then suddenly he just like is he just breaks into poetry and starts writing a poem about like oh poor Pleistocene mother wailing as like her child is being taken away by a hawk. <laughs> oh yeah, the uh, the Tawn child who the they, child they found its it. skeleton and its eyes had characteristic claw marks of a oh. of an eagle, and so and like Richard Dawkins just, just writes a poem about this. Yeah, and was it any good? This poem. I, I thought it was good. It was just memorable. a few lines, but it was yeah, yeah it was memorable. But it, it's just the idea that you know he's he's moved to poor think Tom about mother it. weeping in the savannah or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, it was just you know little things like that. It, it's clear that this is from an interested place rather than like a let me smash the keyboard angrily griping at these people on the internet who are wrong kind of vibe. Yeah. Which again, I'm not shitting on it. I think that can be. Uh, fun to read too but i really wish we didn't have a third post now because that is a perfect segue into our main topic well we'll bring through the third post real fast okay yeah All the right. third post honestly is so uh short and fast that i have almost can, no can we summarize it. it to lull emergence yeah yeah <laughs> so the third post is the futility of emergence and the two quotes i pulled from it are emergence has become very popular just as saying magic used to be very popular and its usage fits all the checklist items that we just read, not just read, but that we earlier read for a mysterious answer to a mysterious question. Uh, that's all I pulled from it. I find I would... this one really funny. I just want to like kind of say some of the best lines from it. For example, take literally that description. Taking literally that description fits every phenomenon in our universe above the level of individual quarks, <laughs> which is part of the problem. Imagine pointing to a market crash and saying, it's not a quark. <laughs> Does that feel like an explanation? No. Then neither should saying it's a, a it's an emergent phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> I I find this post very interesting because at the time that it was posted, uh, saying things are emergent properties or emergent systems was in fact very popular. I oh my saw god, it, it was like a meme all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was like oh my god, look at the emergent properties of this embryo turning into a look at the emergent properties of the brain creating consciousness. And this is an emergent property. I was like, stop using that word, stop it. <laughs> and now that isn't done anymore, right? Uh, I haven't seen it very much. I haven't seen it at all, I think, for a number of years. I've seen it used, and I've seen it used in ways that I don't protest, because, for example, Eliezer writes, it's the noun emergence that I protest rather than the verb emerges from. Yeah, yeah. And so I've seen the, I've seen the word emergent used, but then the then it goes on to explain what it emerges from. So I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not pissed off by this word anymore, because it's not being used as a, as a semantic stop sign anymore. Yeah, or as a mysterious answer. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. How how much do you think like this sort of thing could be attributed to uh, Eliezer and his circle of you know people that were all talking about this sort of stuff? I don't know. I also wonder that about um people started really focusing on um skewed data in science, like a replication crisis. That was it, mm -hmm. and it was right after the rationality community was bitching about people not replicating studies yeah a lot yeah and i was like that's weird timing <laughs> but uh yeah who knows i mean a lot of people so in like the i mean obviously he's have... always been kind of on the the leading edge of this intellectual field right he talks with other people in that area and 
he's probably not the only one who's making these sort of observations. I'm just, I always wondered like how much of it is direct influence of this stuff and how much is it like talking to other people and also knowing what's going on. Hmm. I wonder if someone in the Berkeley community might know these things. Oh, there's got to be some kind of lore keeper. If I had to guess, I would say that this was probably one voice in a chorus of people complaining about the use of word, the use of the word emergence, and that it added to the noise that finally shut it down. It's interesting. I think the fact that he doesn't have any sort of degree makes things uh, popularly not be attributed to him. Like, for example, I saw the paperclip maximizer a couple of years ago attributed to Nick Bostrom, huh. and. Uh, while like Nick and Eliezer were on the same forums and talking about these sorts of things, and he, you know, says specifically, yes, this originated on the SL4 forums. It could have been Nick. It could have been any one of us. I, I think it was basically him that came up with the paperclip maximizer as a literal uh, concept. When he was on like Sam with paperclips. When he was on Sam Harris's podcast, uh, Harris brings up the paperclip maximizer, and he's like, "Now I think that was Bostrom," and he's like, "Uh, as far as I know, it was me." Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, like it, it because you know it wasn't archived. There's no way to to demonstrate. But he's like, "I yeah. think I remember that was that might have been me." Right. Um, and that's the weird thing. Like people are like, "Okay." Which one of these people in this circle is the Oxford professor? Nick Bostrom. Okay, we're attributing it to him because yeah. if we, you know, it makes the quote seem more prestigious if you can put after it Nick Bostrom univers uh, professor at Harvard, right? Or at Oxford or whatever it is. Like people are more likely to believe the quote just by seeing the name after it. Having I don't a think that's too bad of a heuristic. I don't, just, no, no, no. I don't think it's a bad heuristic at all. But I also think it's unfortunate that people will misattribute things to other people that have higher credentials. Yeah. In this case, at least there's like some plausible explanation for the fact that it's not like, no, look, my book came out two years before yours. Right, right. And it's like, no, we, we, we actually can't prove it. And I don't, he, he said that he thinks it's him. He, it, and maybe he just doesn't want to like stand up and take credit too loud. Cause Eliezer? he can't prove it. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, have you, Eliezer wants to stand up and take credit for things. Well, <laughs> like, Maybe not at the ex at the expense of I, this was just. Have you read um, Inadequacy of Calibria? <laughs> that yeah. part of that book is very much about bragging about things. Yeah, I, I think that in this particular case, maybe it was just because like there's no way to prove it, and it doesn't like I think. And I'm and I'm, I'm putting my. Google it right now. Who invented the concept? I'm gonna Google it right now. Who invented the concept of the paperclip maximizer? Well, I mean. Uh, whatever Google says, it was somewhere on one of those chains, probably. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 my guess. <laughs> <Nick Bastion>. for, <laughs> my, my guess for uh, um, a thought experiment described by Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom in two thousand three, in, in instrumental convergence. So, huh? Yeah, I, my my, I was only making the, the the my guess on like specifically not wanting to derail Harris's show, mm -hmm. and also not wanting to say you know no no forget Bostrom it was me who did it right and like. When there's when there's no way to prove that it was him, and it's like, what's the point? The the the, re the really important thing is that this idea is out there, and it 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 gains traction in outside of FAI friendly artificial intelligence research communities, right? Yeah. So like it's it's this one's less about like no no it's me I want the points, and it's yeah. more just like I'm glad people have this idea in their head. You don't want to start all the stupid controversy when what you're really here for is saving the world from AI. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also think there might be an argument to be made that Bostrom coined it and Eliezer popularized it. I think if anything it would be the opposite because Bostrom is the one that has a book where he explains it whereas Eliezer and him were just you know chatting on the SL4 forums when the supposedly it was originally first coined. Oh. Hmm. 
Interesting. But interesting, but ultimately, uh, maybe we should get back to right. the podcast topic. Yes. So our posts for next, not week, next fortnight are going to be positive bias, look into the dark, and say not complexity. I love all of these. I think this is the sequence I read the most. Yeah, this is like the big, I don't know, important chunk of sequence that I also tend to direct people to if I'm trying to, you know, give them somewhere to start. And I forget. It's, it's very intimidating if it's like, oh, I, I'm interested in this rationalist stuff. Where do I start? And it's like, here, read this Bible of rationality. Yeah. Instead, you read this book of rationality, and I forget if it's part of the map and territory sequence or if it's its own thing, or mysterious answers to mysterious questions. Um, but in any case, yeah, great stuff. I'm looking forward to these next posts too. And you know, in on a meta level, I'm glad we're read like we're include we began including these sections. It's a good excuse to go back through these, and they're fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so for our main topic. So we have a Discord, and there's chat that goes on on the Discord sometimes. <laughs> and uh, like any you know public place, there's varying um, people want different norms uh, to you know match their own personal styles because everyone's more comfortable with their own style. And it, mainly, what it was was that some people were saying that it seems that there is too much like confrontationalism and not enough uh, niceness and. I don't know. There wasn't like one big thing that happened. There were a couple people that left. Uh, and in at least one of those cases, I was just like, wow, did someone needs to just have a slightly thicker skin here. Uh, mm. But, you know, that person was still a he was a cool person. And I, I OK, both these people that left uh, were cool people. And I really like them and I miss having them in the community. But it's OK. As a brief sidetrack, I, as you guys are probably very aware, have been having this long lifelong battle with depression kind of thing as mm. as many rationalists do um and one of the things i do to combat that specifically is to seek out uh joyous positive things uh and indulge in them like steven universe for example is one of my you unweave a favorites. bunch of rainbows the what i said you go and you unweave a bunch of rainbows every rainbow i find i tear it to shreds <laughs> <laughs> but no i, I specifically <laughs> seek out wholesome awesome happy things uh because that helps me uh to be more of a normal person and it affects people around you really positively too it's like it, it's it's a good life hack to just be the kind of person you want to see in the world and then you'll attract the kind of people that you want to be around and make their lives better yeah and i just think in general or you can do I the opposite i right I, I would like to have in general um in the rationalist community a norm of anti-cynicism and mm. of uh just being jollier <laughs> <laughs> like christmas is my favorite holiday for a reason and i think it's uh th that's basically kind of what i want to talk about uh today like how to um be more charitable and uh friendly online i have lots of thoughts so many thoughts me too can i jump in with one quick one? Oh, uh, you you may and then i want to jump in with one quick one after you totally or you take as much time as you want but i was just i remembered when there was a discussion the one we mentioned where people left and uh somebody was like well people just need thicker skin or something i was gonna also talk about this and i and i really disagree with that sentiment I, and I, I had this image of like you shouldn't have to like be jumped into the to the rationality community, right. or like jumping in, in in the gang sense of we're like all right we're gonna all kick the shit out yeah. of you for a minute and then you're in the club, <laughs> like you shouldn't need, uh, and you know there, there, there's a difference between like in a uh, pejorative colloquial sense of being a snowflake that can't handle anything and you need to you know keep everything safe. I'm using quotes around all of those. I think that there's value there's a valuable uh, conversation talk about to that have kind there. Of thing there, but yeah. like. I'm saying it doesn't need to be like a safe space for everybody in that, you know, there can't be challenging ideas. That's different. But it shouldn't be, 
a place where it's like, oh no, I get to call you a dick or an asshole or a piece of shit that because I disagree with you. Like, no, there doesn't need to be like literal name calling. And it, like I said, the idea that you should need thick skin to enter the community. I think what you need is a, there's difference in skin thickness and mind thickness, maybe would, that's, I'm torturing the analogy, but the idea that no, like, what I would say is, um, that uh, never mind. You're still, go ahead. Okay. Um, let me see if this sounds right. I think, um, rather than thick skinness, what you need to join the community is the ability to be ready to be wrong. Um, or be, be open to ideas, like, don't yell at somebody for suggesting something, like, oh, that's stupid, let's, just be like, I think that's wrong for these reasons, but, like, I'm open to being wrong, too, what do you think? <laughs> uh, maybe just not personalizing stuff like that. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, but also I th- being willing to be critiqued, but not, like, and not take that personally. Right, and so that, that was what I was trying to just differentiate with my bad analogy of mind thickness, like, you, you can't uh if if being uh thin-skinned means that like no i can't have my ideas challenged then obviously this isn't the community for you right? i would say yeah and so, th- but that's not what anybody comes in looking for to my understanding not, not people that have joined the discord anyway the people who came and left came and left because they thought it would be like oh cool this can be a collaborative space where people have uh you know this uh, an interesting uh take on something or a project they're working on and they positively collaborate to make their uh, i t- want that t- community honestly. i want that too and uh, if I'm allowed to plug another Discord, I, although I don't have a link, so I'll have to find a way to get this out there. I'll find out if you can there's get it way from to them. it. I can, but I'm not sure if they want it public or not. Well, we'll but ask. There, there yeah. is one called University of Bays that is essentially that thing, where there's different channels for different things. If you're if you've got a side project, like hey, I've got this, you know, you're you jokingly, perhaps jokingly, perhaps not, had the idea of making a an absinthe distillery. I'm dead ass. So if you if you want a place for advice and you know if you post it to the wrong place you'd be like that's a stupid idea that's you know business will never get off the ground why would you waste your time there's already absinthe out there that's not the answer you're looking for you want to know how do I do this how do I get a small <laughs> business going and so if or or if it is a bad idea I want somebody to say not you're an idiot but that idea is not a good idea for these reasons right and th- so there's it's part of presentation um, and I'm not saying that you have to. Like, there's also the, the failure mode of that, where it's like, oh, so now I need to couch everything I say in this two paragraphs on either side of, like, you're great, I like... Let me list you know, all I... my triggers, like, or all the triggers that are possibly, like, part of this idea first, and then caveat it again, and again. Yeah. Right, and then the person responding before, like, if what you really want to hear is, like, is this a good idea, they shouldn't have to give, like, two paragraphs disclaimer at the top of, like, you're a great person, your ideas are generally good, but I think this idea has weaknesses for this and this. It would be nice to just get a no, and here's why. And so, like... Like, directness is fine. It's it's hard to differentiate the difference between, like, being direct and being way blunter than necessary. It is really hard to read tone. I, I recently um had a conflict between some friends uh, that was just because they were texting to each other and both of them had a paranoia that one was talking down to the other or that one was kind of i don't know like they, they were they had, they had these assumptions coming into this discussion that like oh this person doesn't really want to do this with me they just they they just um are suggesting they they're, they're saying they want to do it because they're doing it out of pity and this uh, this person isn't doesn't even really want to do this they're just i don't know it was like they both had these preconceptions coming in and then they were just able to interpret every sentence that was exchanged in this it was on discord as oh well that they said i will take you doesn't that sound kind of aggressive? It sounds like they're mad. And I was like, no, I think they're saying, I will take you. 
<laughs> you absolutely have to link that key and peel sketch. I already put it in my notes to send you. <laughs> Excellent. I think uh, we put this in before, but well, it, well, without even talking about it, I'll just, there's a three minute YouTube video, key and peel uh, comedy sketch that's totally worth watching and hits this point right on the head. Yeah. But like it, it hits it the absurd and that's why it's funny. But like in, in the real, I'm wondering, I guess, how to cultivate that norm, especially in a, in a way where it's like, you know, I, I, I have suggestions. I'm trying to keep this like general, so it's not me complaining about the Discord that like we started. Um, <laughs> but like that's also the one I'm thinking about the most. Like I also don't want to spend ten hours a week talking with you guys about how to moderate stuff because um, I don't want to do that. Frankly, I won't. I will yeah, delete the whole thing before I spend an hour a week moderating it. I, I have right? suggestions. <laughs> one of those suggestions involves letting other people volunteer to be mods. Yes, uh, but with the agreement that like all of the conspirators or and the people that are most active, maybe on the Discord, who want to be the mods, can kind of get together to talk about what we think the norm should be, what things should be punishable by what, like stern warning or no, I, I don't, I, I hate that idea because that I mean I'm not just saying flat out no, I'm just saying like uh I I, I dislike that idea because like I don't want to have a list. A list of rules that, like, you aren't being nice enough and cheery enough, and now the the neighborhood um, scold is going to come to you and be like, "Hey, I noticed you weren't being happy enough for our Discord. Maybe you should." I think put listing some more the general like suggestions for the norms somewhere on the Discord, though, and then having them there that people can see and letting enough people know that these are the norms. That if somebody comes in and just starts like spewing racist like words and yeah, well, like obviously. using Nazi signs and saying that like. Right. Scott Alexander is clearly a Nazi because he <laughs> thinks that Austrian Jews are the superior race, which is actually a thing that happened that I saw happen. <laughs> Wait, well, he's a Nazi well, because he, I mean. No, uh, it's so bad. I'll, okay, I'll okay, tell you this whole story yeah. later. Right, this is yeah. one of the stressful things that happened that like led to me not being on the last episode. Uh, oh, okay. I was talking about this before we started recording, but. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, like, tor- I, I'm torn on having a mod team like that at all because I, I don't think maybe not even co- I, I wouldn't even maybe give them the title of mods, but I would just say, hey, like whoever wants to, you know, like whoever cares about these values, we're gonna stick them up here in the Discord. Like, hey, we we prefer this to be a non-cynical place where think, yeah. people are collaborative and where people can can also. But I think that's ex- more of give a, criticism and accept criticism without personalizing it. I think that's more of a community um, effort. Yeah, like everyone has to be like, this is who we are, and um, if if someone and I think so far this has worked out pretty well on the Discord server where it's still small though. I can do, see if it gets bigger, it could start getting more out of control. Yeah, but if people do um, find that people are being too cynical or or too um, nasty, someone brings it up, and then there's you know an afternoon where that is the topic for the day where everyone's like are we too mean are we uh too nice like whatever um but but i like the fact that the community does kind of hash it out and i don't want there to be you know yeah hard and fast walking around with uh you know the niceness cops (laughs) with Uh, their nice their niceness night sticks right that they can use to ban people if anyone hasn't isn't familiar with the game we happy few this fits perfectly with that everyone takes a drug called joy and it basically puts them <laughs> on like on happy lsd trips and then That's great you've got the the cops who run around basically hitting people who aren't taking enough joy or they can <laughs> or they get kicked out of town so like okay. we, don't, we don't want that i i and i don't i really don't want any moderation like i feel like the, the community as a whole honestly doesn't really need it i don't like, know what it, like for example say that you get a troll that is just being a total dick in order to disrupt things repeatedly people ask them to stop and they don't i think that's beyond the scope of the discussion though because trolls are easy to handle you ban the troll you're like yeah 
go away. This is more like the general atmosphere of, yeah. of how people interact. Yeah, like, and I, the, uh, yeah, I agree. If someone comes on and is being trolly or, or deliberately provocative in the sense of, I don't know, posting uh, fucking, I don't know, Al-Qaeda beheadings or something and they won't <laughs> stop, then it's like, all right, cool. We're not, I'm not going to try and explain to you the norms of the community. You're just out. But yeah. um, I like... <laughs> Maybe that's of... a good norm, actually. The, the point at which, like, basically everybody else agrees, like, wow, fuck that person is the point where you should ban somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, I find myself, and I think you might have mentioned this too, uh, Stephen, like, I find myself, even on the Discord in general, being a grumpier, nastier person than I am. And it's not just on the Discord, it's anytime huh. I'm online. Like, there's something about the keyboard that I, I stop. Maybe it's because I can't see the people. Do you and expose their yourself to outrage porn too? I wonder about Not that. Not anymore. Uh, used to. I was so much angrier and more depressed and upset when I was part of the social justice community, and yeah, they yeah. just constantly are broadcasting outrage porn all the time. Here's the thing that everybody's upset about today. You need to be upset about it too. Find out here. Yeah, no, it's it's been years for me since I've been into that, and it has been a huge quality of life improvement to cut out the outrage porn entirely. Also, sorry if I keep posting on social justice in particular. A thing happened. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and there's an obvious, like... Uh, I'm bitter about it. No, no, I mean, I think that's fine. I, I would, like, in general... We're all we're all in favor of the goal of like yes everyone should be treated humanely and and respected but that's I mean uh, social justice I think as you're using it as I use it doesn't mean that right no so, I yeah. mean well it, it used to mean that exactly social justice warriors kind of turned movement. into a different thing but anyway um a, a thing I did want to bring up before we lose track of this Annie Ash was originally saying like someone did leave and it seemed like maybe that person needed a, a thicker skin and i was well what i meant specifically by that was the person left because they had a personal disagreement with uh someone who has slightly more power on the discord they they have the channel boffin role which means they can uh set emojis for the channel they can move the server channels around basically doing the the kind of the, the emoji lord yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I, you have upset the emoji lord <laughs> they, they, they get to do some of the uh maintenance work of a discord server which takes the load off of me and steven and you so that we don't have to do that right and i really appreciate david if you're listening i really appreciate your work in this uh, and doing this uh but anyways they have too helps the what wes helps too as wes, channel yeah, wes is now yeah. also channel boffin he wasn't at the time that this happened okay uh at the time david was the only channel boffin and wait is that what they actually call it channel boffin that's the name that's of the role. amazing yeah and um so uh the this person thought that uh david was like the owner of the discord or something and they had a personal falling out with david and left because of that because like i i don't like this person it's their discord i'm out of here yeah and in my opinion that's like if you have to be friends with the discord owner that's like there's a lot of people on my discord or not my discord god i'm sorry our discord it doesn't matter like a yeah there's a lot of people on Comrade, the, the it's, Bayesian our, it's everyone's discord <laughs> on the Bayesian conspiracy discord there's a bunch of people who i uh i think my line was they have weird alien values that are different from my own and i don't know um they're not people that normally i would strike up a friendship with but i don't have to be friends with everyone on the discord right can i, I can just coexist on the discord can i finish my thought yeah it was i just wanted to point out um that there is actually uh, like clinically proven uh there's a range of people's tolerability for social uh distress Mm -hmm. there's they call them like very sensitive people vsps they exist as a discrete group um there's also add in particular has this but a lot of non-neurotypical uh neurotypes have much more uh rejection sensitivity 
which just means you are more likely to interpret things as social rejection and get really upset about it. And it's important to know that people have, they do have different levels of skin thickness, but it's just genetic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like using scare quotes with skin thickness, I'm talking about emotional skin thickness. Some people are genetically born with thinner skins than others. And it's just like, it's important to know that, yeah, some people are going to get rarely, uh, they're going to take things really personally. And I think it's perfectly within that person's like rights to have decided this is personally upsetting enough for me that I feel the need to leave. Oh yeah, totally. Everyone has the right to exit at any time. Like I think, I don't even know how much this is. I think it, having a thick skin can be a learned skill. But for example, um, one of my partners is borderline and we're working on trying to <laughs> thicken their proverbial emotional skin with exposure therapy. And it's hard. It, it hurts. It's like, it's not something that I would say, oh, it's easy to like, you know, just, just grow a thicker skin is actually like pretty insensitive thing it's to tell someone. almost as hard as literally growing a thicker yeah. skin. Yeah. Um, it's I'm, like, go, go cure your like genetic mental illness. Right, right. Well, <laughs> it's it, easy. It's not. I mean, part of that is like, you know, we shouldn't make every community that we are a part of or that we make ourselves like have to curtail to the most delicate of I don't, the entire population right right i think like, there's an importance just to acknowledge that people like that are out there and know how to interact with them i completely agree with what i think you're saying which is we don't need to go the social justice route of making everything accessible right and safe yeah and i think you know maybe the difference in how this pay, play out in in uh in the community would be more like if someone says all right you know what this isn't the place i thought it was i'm getting out when mm -hmm. they leave they you know instead of people saying man what a pussy they say um no oh, one said bad. that <laughs> well not in so many words no no one uh, said that at all okay uh well if, so if good. it sounded like Stephen was just kind of exaggerating the yeah. thing that people said yeah that, so like like grow thicker your skin could be exaggerated too man what a pussy that, that's sort of what i meant okay um, I, so, I, i'm sorry it came off that way. I didn't mean it that way. No, no, you, I, don't it, you I don't think I don't think it was even your thing that I was thinking of. Um, well, because the only thing I remember seeing was people saying, "Man, that sucks." Maybe we should like look at who we are as people and make make things, you know. Yeah, that was easier. actually a really like. Uh, I, I like the fact that that was the response. Yeah, like the person who said that, I think me maybe like he just needs a thicker skin. Was me because I don't know what to do when someone is like, I have a personal, you know, gripe with someone I think is in power, and therefore I'm going to leave. And I, I you let them leave. Yeah, I'm right. honestly forgetting almost every detail here because this happened almost two weeks ago, and I didn't see the whole thing. Oh, that was no. This was uh, way long, way before that. Oh, okay. Then yeah, this then I then I certainly have no idea okay. um, about the specifics of all of this. Then, like, I guess, um, I, and this was actually shameless plug for the other podcast I do called We Want More. The last episode, or the one that came out two days ago, uh, upon the airing of this episode. Uh, has Inyash Brodsky on as our guest. Yeah. And we we talk about this with Brian about... Uh, it was funny because Brian pointed out exactly... He's like, you know, it's funny is if I was reading these words, I would feel like you're being an asshole. But because it's you and I can see your face, I don't feel like you're being an asshole. Right. And that's that's part of the, the challenge of, of online discourse and as a whole. I think that's what you were getting at a minute ago. Yeah. That, and like, it's so much easier to, A, read in more negativity, and B, maybe even be more negative online than you are in real life because you're not interacting with a person you're interacting with letters yeah and, that's, and I, I want to focus not on the situation that happened on our specific discord and specific people because first of all i don't think that's that big a thing in the grand scheme of things they same were here small kerfuffles it, it was more the thing that like caused our attention to turn to this issue yeah and also um two, two separate people uh said uh when people started saying you know i think maybe we should be nicer I feel personally called out by this and I don't want those people to feel personally called out by this 
partly because I like those people and I don't want them to be uncomfortable, but also because, again, I don't think it's a... I, this is not a personal calling out coming to Jesus moment for <laughs> any any individual person that we're airing public laundry now to try to shame them or anything. It is nothing like that. So I want to move very far away from specifics like that and just to general, like how to do interneting and text communications better as a people because this is more and more of our lives especially as we're locked up inside and and it's uh there's ways to be more cordial online there's and, also ways to um uh you want to go ahead uh steven oh i was just gonna say that that's what i've been trying to gear it at the whole time like because okay. it's not just like our our discord i don't really i mean i care about it i like that it's there but this is this is a general phenomena yes and it's uh, general community stuff yeah and it, but it, it's it's observable across anything that involves people not talking face to face, and so you know. Well, whether I, that's I meant your... more specifically, like the rationalist community kind of is at the point where it's going to be what we make it. It's still in its infancy, and especially the Denver rationalist community, like we can choose the norms, like we can choose what founder effects we want to have, like <laughs> you know, uh, filter down to the descendants of our community here. Well, I think one of those founder effects that we should try to introduce is the concept of charity. Uh, not in terms of giving money to things, but in terms of... Not when just you... that. That's a good one, though. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, the more important one is, the one, is the one where when you read what people say, you always try to interpret it in the way that is uh, the least aggressive and the least mean as possible from that person, even if you suspect that may be giving them too much credit. Because uh, generally... Generally, people overcompensate, especially um, online towards this person is attacking me. And I don't know why that is, but I think it's wonderful practice to at any point in time, you're reading something that maybe angers you a little bit is to look at it like, you know, what if someone was saying that line with a smile on their face? Like, is it possible that this is some kind of jokey thing or just trying to point something out in a uh, lighthearted manner that uh, rather than a, you know, you suck, I hate you manner more than like, ah, isn't this kind of silly? We can joke about this kind of thing yeah um the reason that that does tend to happen online is negativity bias first of all humans tend tend to focus on negatives especially when social interactions social distress is involved it's like social distress in your community is very hard to ignore um again i recently went through like a couple uh, a different community that i'm involved in went through um a weird stressful thing um and they were there was a bunch of like di social discord in not the it was on the discord but there was discord <laughs> on the discord uh, and i was like at the time trying to work and trying to i had already planned some like social obligation i was like i can't pay attention to this right now i couldn't not pay attention to it i was just like oh my god i need to know what's happening i need to mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it was horrible um and then there's the c catastrophization um of if you don't know if you don't know like okay you hear some, something terrible happened and your brain immediately jumps to something probably much more terrible than what actually happened mm. but um man there's something else i was gonna say uh um wow there goes that thought i'll, I'll, I'll tell you it'll come back um yeah i think that the the perceived negativity online like i mean i, I don't know exactly how to combat it like part of it if you, if you assume that somebody's being nicer than your initial assumption, like, so if you check that and say, okay, maybe they're meaning this nicely, um, 
like I, I have a technique for doing that. And this has actually been, I think basically since texting started being a thing, which is like, okay, if I read that and with people that I knew, and like, if I read that and it makes me like upset, I'm going to assume that I misunderstood it or that they misconveyed it. Mm-hmm. And like it, in, in my life, it's easy as saying, wait, did you mean this? And like whatever hurtful thing or something. And they're like, oh, hell no, no, I meant it like this. And it's like, uh, oh yeah, yeah see, that makes much more sense. Mm-hmm. And so that sounds doable. Um, you know, if someone says, yeah, I meant it the mean way you dumbass," then like, then, then, then at least you've got your <laughs> then answer. Then you send them back an emoji of like a middle finger. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you're like, well, get out of my life then. Yeah. And so part of what I do is I... I generally avoid sarcasm when I'm talking online, unless I'm making it very clear. Unless you um, follow everything with a winky emoji. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I even use that non-sarcastically. So, like, I, I use... That's the other thing I do is I use emojis heavily. Yeah. Um, in, like, I uh, throw in a heart emoji, throw in, like, a thumbs up or a smiley, like, whatever it is. Then it's like, they can at least... Um, like, unless they're reading sarcasm into everything then they can say, okay, that's the emotion he was meaning when he typed that. So. I was laughing about emojis earlier, but actually I think that we should, we as, as a society, especially the business world and like the politics where it should norm the use of emojis, maybe we can make ones that are less silly so people will feel less dumb using them. But the thing is, we as humans get the majority of our like contextual clues about what people mean by body language, facial expression, and tone of voice. And when you cut that all out, you lose a lot of information. I think we've... Of, of God, I'm now I'm going to get shit for this because I'm using uh, Evo Psych here. But I think that <laughs> there has been a lot of evolutionary pressure on humans to uh, when there is, or maybe cultural evolution as, as opposed to biological evolution, because this is more of a cultural thing. To um, to when there is a social conflict, there's ways to diffuse the tension around them and to help people get through the conflict without strangling each other Mm. and we have things like you know nervousness in general uh showing that hey i'm not here trying to flex on you i'm kind of nervous bringing this up and uh joking and like you said tone of voice right Mm. even smiling at people and being like haha you know here's this thing and like most of the time when people laugh especially in in more fraught situations it has nothing to do with humor at all. Like if you were to go back and read something. Well, no, something, that's what humor is. Uh, laughter is a way of diffusing tension. It is. Yeah, it's one of the uh, uses of it. Uh, one of the big ones. And so there are all these things that we use both to signal that we are not here trying to strangle each other. Uh, that just don't trans. You can't put them online, really. And so when you read something that someone says, you aren't getting all those cues from them. Instead, all you're seeing is the words that are not couched with all all this armor. And it's like, oh shit, I'm being attacked. Fuck this guy. And, and I think that's a huge issue, which is why we need to really overcompensate in the other direction mm. that, you know, start taking things terribly. That was my thought. There, it's, it's back. Mm. Um, I have some strategies that I personally use, such as... Uh, tit for two tats uh, from game theory basically uh and some of these are just like kind of um interventions if i notice i'm really upset about something i like having a basic rule that i come back to so one is uh tit for two tats um somebody can screw up twice and i will forgive them twice because it was probably a misunderstanding um and i also you know i'll point it out like oh it was really hurtful when you said that i I was stupid for having that idea i don't mind if you said the idea was stupid but like calling me a stupid person i think was kind of mean and they're like oh okay and like maybe do it again if they do it a third time then i'm like then i'm gonna get mad but the first two times i'm going to explain why that upset me and then say be like but i figure you probably didn't mean to do that so like we're still friends 
then we might start having a problem after the third time. Um, tip for two tats, by the way, just is a strategy that tends to win when you, uh, it depends on the different, uh, models, different social situations. For example, they'll use game theory to simulate wars or to simulate, uh, negotiations and so forth and so on. But across the board, tip for two tats tends to be one of the ones that wins in the end. I'll post a link to, there's a visual explanation of this, uh, made by somebody who likes to animate ideas, uh, cool person, cool video, helps really uh, explain some game theory concepts in the form of cute cartoons and fun little interactive flash games. Um, I think one of the most important concepts behind charity is the idea that your interlocutor is, first of all, not stupid. They are trying to be legible to you and this is a project both of you are working on together to be, you know, legible to each other and figure out what meaning is being sent across. And also that they are um, just tr just try to assume people are being misunderstood as much as possible rather than being actively aggressive. Yeah, I like the thought of steel manning people. Mm. Steel man the thing that they say, like, make try to if you see something and you're reading it as like, say the word, I will take you. And you, you notice you're, you're noticing like, oh, that sounds angry. That sounds like they're resentful of me. Be like, okay, I'm going to, again, I'm going to think of the steel man version of that, which is, I will take you. Like, I will. I'm saying right now that, uh, that this is something that's important to me and I'll do it. Read it. Try reading it that way. Um, there's a CBT, there's a CBT skill of reframing. If you use a reframing like this regularly enough, you'll start to do it automatically. Um, I still haven't perfected it. I still go back into my pit of anxiety sometimes and will read messages from friends. It's like, oh no, they hate me. I've messed up the relationship. They, they think I'm dumb and I'm not, but like much less than I used to. Um, I think another thing, a second skill that you can do, which is, um, probably more palatable to some people than this charitable thing, because you can only be charitable for so long <laughs> is, uh, just asking, like you, if you took someone, if you read something and it seems to be oh, yeah. aggressive, be like, that seems a bit aggressive. Did is this what you meant by it? Like, just just ask. Is is this what you meant? Because I'm getting tones that I don't like. There's simple tools like a tit for two tats or the uh, the charitable principle, whatever. There's more complicated tools that are very effective. Again, partner of a borderline person. Uh, here we go. Uh, there's Gottman Rapoport. The Gottman Rapoport intervention uh, is, I think it was developed for marital counseling, but it's a really good. Um, format for two people to resolve a discussion one of the things is one person takes the role of speaker and one of listener and the, the person who's speaker has to completely finish their thought or like explain the reason that they're upset before the listener is allowed to interject anything except clarifying questions or things like oh i see or oh i get it or like oh did how did that feel that sounds horrible aside from the it most is. formal settings it is it's bad it, but yeah. like it works it works so well well i the thing is, you, you, I'm usually you, not trying to negotiate a marriage with people yeah, online. Yeah. No, but I mean, it works. It could work for two best friends having a fight about whether Batman or Spider-Man is better. Oh, we we talked about this a couple episodes ago, actually, and you laid that out. Okay, uh, so yeah, you know that one. There's also um the rationalist version, which is uh double crux, and it's it's basically very similar. Both of them, you're encouraged to use I statements. You say when this when this thing happened, I felt like this. Um, when you said this, I it made me feel like diminished. Um. And I would prefer in the future if this. And so, first of all, you're taking responsibility for your own emotions. Is that um, cruxing? 
No. That I'm, I'm talking about Gottman Rappaport. But, oh, uh, sorry, yeah. In, in both of them, though, what you're trying to do is, um, I think the goal to both Cruxing and Gottman Rappaport is to get to the point where you understand the person's argument well enough that sort of the same thing as Steel Manning. You could describe their argument in a way that they would kind of nod and go, oh, yeah, no, that's what I meant. Actually, that that was phrased better than what, like, than I had put it. I don't, yeah. I don't even think that people need to go that far. Just That's why in I general. said this is an intense tool. Yeah, like If yeah. you have a really bad disagreement yes. <laughs> that you need to resolve, use one of these. But in general, casual conversation is being like, I, did I hear you right when you said this? Yeah. Yeah. Nonviolent communication uh, is another good tactic in general. That's where I get I statements from. Yeah, I, I, the Rapoport rules make, makes me think of this uh, Dan Dennett article where he lays out, it's it's less stringent than like the marital counseling one, counseling one. But the the short version is like you should be able to restate your opponent, and this is more for like intellectual disagreements, which sounds a little more applicable. And it was like you should be able to restate your opponent's position in terms that make them say, "Man, I wish I thought to put it that way." That's right. Really that was what I was thinking of, actually. Yeah, and I, um, it's uh, and you might have said that. Sorry, I was making a note to include that tenant link in the in the show notes. No, I'm uh, glad that you um explained where it came from because i was like somebody at some point said it like this and, I, and then i said it wrong so oh no you're good for clarifying uh what was funny about that is when uh sam harris and dan dennett had their like spat about free will back and forth on the internet <laughs> um harris wrote back he's like i feel like your 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 beloved rapaport's rules failed you because the most charitable thing you can say about my book is that at least it exists to show everyone how wrong it this is <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and what's great about that is because dennett is like in my perception of him from watching his talks he's a fairly he's a fairly like warm and fuzzy dude and so that does sound uncharacteristically harsh of him and so that you know when when they had i think two two podcast episodes on this they were super chill about it <laughs> and there was none of this like oh yeah no i'm glad that that your bullshit's out there to show everyone how dumb dumb this is <laughs> that there, nothing like that came out during a conversation it's just so easy for that to happen on and again on two people who are on very friendly terms about a subject that neither of them really have like any skin in the game on really right mm-hmm. like other than their own uh it's an intellectual disagreement it's it, not like uh, i don't know somebody criticizing your religion or like saying that your wife is dumb or something exactly yeah <laughs> so like over something this this esoteric it's kind of abstract it was able to get charged enough between two guys that are on decent terms and are, are professional adults and professionals yeah with like degrees and uh, I, I found it really funny sorry I, I love watching like people get salty <laughs> totally and then you can watch them be unsalty when they're talking. Yeah. I mean, I, for what it's worth, the, like, and this is more specific, but, well, and you can do this, we do this all the time at work, too, you know, and it's rarely to solve, like, a, a saltiness disagreement, more to resolve a confusion disagreement um, or confusion altercation. Uh, text or voice chat is an option on a lot of platforms, mm. and there are voice channels you can jump into on, on our Discord. There's one I use all the time at work on our and what that's what's better about slack is it's easy to call people um i like slack more than discord but yeah, yeah uh, slack's good I and there, there's, there's definitely there's definitely perks to discord that slack doesn't have but uh the like hey you know what we're not getting anywhere let's jump on a chat and then a, then a five minute chat solves a 30 minute text exchange yeah and, that can happen and just then that way it, it's so much easier to lay out where you're coming from and like yes this is why this this and this i'm thinking of work stuff rather than than life stuff and it's like, oh, okay. See, I thought you were saying this, this, and this. And it's like, ah, see, that's why we were talking circles past each other. Now, yeah. we've, now I've solved that. I think really frequently people have what seem like disagreements and are really just misunderstanding what the other person's trying to say or what they're upset about. And I do think the responsibility is kind of like on both sides. It's the person yes, listening absolutely. has to also. No, they they switch in um, Gottman Rappaport. 
Okay. You switch roles. Okay. No, but I've just meant like the person who is who feels like they're being offended can also there's a lot of cultures uh across the US and a whole bunch of them are, you know, in any online gathering because you know you can log in from anywhere in the US. There's places on the US where one of the most loving things you can do is, you know, give people a ribbing, call them a dumbass, you know? You're like, "Ah, yeah. you dumbass." And it, these these sorts of cultures where you show affection by being a bit abrasive at each other because you wouldn't do that with strangers to exist uh, and sometimes just think you know maybe the person who's talking with me is just from one of those cultures where being a little bit uh, aggressive is a sign that we are on good terms with each other i yeah i was actually going to say uh we don't have to pussyfoot around and put on airs and pretend to be these you know polite (laughs) little um aristocrats we can just be real with each other yeah um I was gonna say actually we we weren't trying to name names, but I know that one of the people who was involved in this thing who is more on the abrasive end like is absolutely doing that. Uh, I've been around this person and their friend group, and they like kind of punch each other in the shoulder, and be like, "Man, you dumbass! What? what how, how do you? How could you possibly think that Iron Man's better than Spider Man? Like, you you offend me with this opinion. Like, but everybody is doing this, and they're all doing it with a tone of voice that." that you lose on discord but like it's not like you know oh you fucking idiot how could you possibly think that it's it's like lol you know like ribbing elbow poke uh and then like and you're supposed to go like to to use you're supposed to drop into that same persona and and fight back but in a like it's a joking like i don't know imagine like the the thing bros do where they punch each other and they're like man bro and like <laughs> i don't know yeah basically it's not supposed to be actually like aggressive a lot of the time it's supposed to be th- that sort of cultural thing you're talking about in ash where where you're showing respect for another person by being like i know you can like roll with this mm-hmm. well and i think that's the general phenomenon of like counter signaling which you can do oh well, in in this context where like um if I called, you know, if you had some idea, Inyash, and I was like, oh, yeah, good one, dumbass. Like, you know, I'm joking. And you laugh because I said it, right? Yeah. If you proposed it to a, a colleague at work whom you've shared three sentences with and they said that, you'd be like, the fuck? Yeah. And like a good example uh, anecdote from my life that doesn't come from the Internet was um, my uncle doesn't have a right arm from the elbow down. It got oh. wrecked in a in a train accident. Dang. Um, so he's got like a one of those thing contraptions where like you flex your shoulders and it opens up the hook and rubber bands close the hook. And he was over for Thanksgiving and I could see him like holding his plate and trying to do stuff. And I was like, need a hand? And I kind of like <laughs> nudged with my elbow. Yeah. And that, and that's a joke, right? Disabled mm-hmm. people joke about their disabilities so much and they're so hilarious. And the, the reason they do it, first of all, is kind of a, as a community of disabled people, it'd be like, I don't know, two blind people being like, do you see what I'm saying? I, I haven't seen anything in eight years. I'm like laughing. And then like all of their non-disabled friends hanging out with them get so uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And I guess what I was getting at though is I that I, I could make that joke with my uncle. I wouldn't make that joke with like somebody at the supermarket who I saw struggling to load their cart or something, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, can I, you know, can I give you some help or something? I don't know what I, how I would phrase it without using the word hand, but whatever. Um, <laughs> like, so it, and then it, the person will be like, oh yeah, I, as you can see, I'm missing one. You got two. I'll, I'll take, I'll take one. <laughs> they may, they may well. I, it, it, this is a maybe not the the perfect example, but you see what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like there's there, when well, there's you don't a level know that they might react that way, or if they might react with kind of like, I'm fine, I can do this myself. God, I hate when people just like. There's an acknowledgement that we don't yeah. have to wear these uh, polite masks 
and, out because and that we it, know each other. Yeah, and even like the level beyond that, like it's okay that like we, we can make these kind of abrasive jokes because we have rapport. Yeah. yeah. Um like the, the, the rapport and then you also understand what they mean. Um something that was really there's a while where I thought that there's a hard and fast rule, like don't make rape jokes. Um but then I realized that sometimes, for example, like two women who maybe have a backstory of both having been raped or have, having like experienced something in their lives that it's actually like going out to a bar and then occasionally like making, oh man, like that sounds kind of rape culture or like, I don't know, like saying the same joke that would have been fucked up coming from somebody else. But like the joke is like, I don't know, you do a Peter Griffin voice from Family Guy and you say like, oh, women can't drive or something like that. And like the joke is that you're making fun of the people who say that sort of thing. But the thing is, if you, if, if these two people who you didn't know had these background experiences, like they, they, I don't know. If you as a bystander came by and sat down next to them at the bar and were listening and tried to also just start making rape jokes because you're like, oh, oh, these two women are making rape jokes. Awesome. Yeah, that would not fly. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's very much like knowing a person, knowing the context. Like it's a, it's a bit of a balance because I, I don't want to be in a server that's all just cynicism and people being like, no, that would never work. Then, you yeah. know, like the, the, the quarrel type of cynicism where you can't argue with it because it certainly seems to be true based on the world. But on the other hand, just makes things terrible and gloomy all the time. But I also don't want to be in a community where... Everyone is constantly pussyfooting around, walking on eggshells to make sure no one is ever offended by anything. And I've been oh, in, won't you think of the children? You know, like I would like something in between that. I've been in a dystopian community. Um, on it was a Facebook group. It was it might still be around if you want to look for it. It was called um, polyamorous atheists or something like that. Uh, it got taken over by social justice to the point where there was this message that you had to read before you were allowed to enter that was like, it was paragraphs and paragraphs talking about systemic oppression. Oh, God. Talking about the fact that, oh, it, yeah, um, the word polyamorous, people use the word poly shorthand generally, and this you were supposed to use poly-a for polyamorous because poly, some people use that for Polynesian, and they used it first. <laughs> um, there, you were not allowed to use any ableist language whatsoever, uh, including what the word stupid and dumb, because uh, uh, okay. that... That that's making fun of people with intellectual disabilities. Um, I like how you describe this culture as dystopian. This is no, it, absolutely. It, it certainly, it gets worse. <laughs> I don't know if we have to. I'm already getting annoyed hearing about it. But if you want to, if it if the annoyance helps illustrate your point, please continue. Yeah, I mean, just. I'm not saying stop. I'm just saying I feel I feel it already. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the ableism uh, got to the point where we need to make this. Uh, we need to also keep in mind people who have like lower socioeconomic. Um, or like maybe they, I don't know, or depending on what device they're looking at, they might not be able to see pictures. So you're not allowed to post a picture unless you post a caption describing what the picture is. Oh, God. Okay. See, and this is... You're not this... allowed to post an emoji without describing winky face. If it's a text-to-speech thing, it says it already. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm just saying that they went like so above and beyond. And, and the thing was that the then the moderators were so draconian that sometimes a new person would join. Like, I, I saw this. Somebody's like, I'm hi, um, I'm new here, and... uh. You know, I'm having a really big problem, uh, and I was really hoping that I could talk to somebody about, like, my relationship, because right now it's leaving me really depressed, and then, like, posts an emoji. And then three mods will descend upon this person being like, you messed up in these particular ways. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't You didn't tag your emoji. Like, you, I don't know, uh, say I'm having a really stupid problem. Like, you used the word stupid. Like, uh, mm. I will see people like that join, immediately leave. 
I think, and like the people who sometimes, uh, I think it's been mentioned, um, someone said like, I have a right to be an asshole. I don't think when people make that claim, they aren't saying I want, you know, to be a troll and make the Mm. things terrible. What they're saying is I do not want to turn into that sort of a dystopian hellscape of politeness. And I've seen this happen before. And so... I reserve the right to not participate in that sort of thing, you know? I think there's a happy medium to be struck, though, where... Yeah, so I can see both both sides. I think you have a right to be an asshole, like, if you're if you're jokingly being an asshole, also just insert some winky emojis or something, like, let, you know, a lot of um, the ways that I have found... I, I've, I've done some amount of uh, emotional distress like conflict resolution things over text and one of the things you do is you use some kind of like Gavin Rappaport intervention or like some janky version of it where maybe you're just just doing um uh non-violent communication using your I statements making sure that it's not like you're a bad person but like this was this was an action that made me feel bad uh or like you always do whatever and it's like this one time uh, like uh, last week this happened and that like i noticed this has happened a few other times and <laughs> the yeah and the thing about you know be, the right to be an asshole the problem is that who gets to define what's an asshole right right if, if that's the same reason i'm against uh against people saying it's okay to punch nazis because then right away very quickly nazi turns into whatever this person is against right i think there was a anyone who eats meat is a nazi so it's okay to uh, physically assault people who eat meat well not even that but then there was there's a case of mistaken identity i remember a story about somebody who got punched because somebody thought that they had a swastika tattoo but it was actually something else they got stabbed oh stabbed stabbed wasn't this in like washington like right around that whole thing when we had that episode yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah that's that's another reason you know why you could push back and say, well, you know, your definition of asshole is not the same as mine. So I think the sher- server should have a everyone's ability to be however they want to be. Oh yeah, but I'm glad you circled back to cynicism because that's I think the 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 difference that makes oh I wanted that, to that talk re- about that too. that really I wanted to hit on and I and I kind of lost sight of it. Like yeah. there's a difference between like pointing out why an idea is bad and doing it in a constructive way that lets someone better the idea. Mm-hmm. Or at least maybe if it's one that is completely empty, that there's not there's no way to, to better it, at least to il- uh, illustrate what is missing, right? This mm. your idea is not complete. We can't save it. Here's the things it would need to actually work. Um, I for- always consider that like I feel like I'm being asked to do free labor for other people's dumb ideas. So basically, I just ignore <laughs> things like that. Well, so then you ignore it, but you, right. you don't you don't chime in to say that's a bad do, idea. Yeah, you don't have to do um, that much labor either. You could just say like. Oh, I think I disagree with that. Um, I think I saw something. There's some study that I saw a while ago. But anyway, I have like low confidence in that, but um, I don't have the time to check that right now. But just, just you know, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, if this was me, I wouldn't even jump in and have to say like, well, here's the ten things I think it's missing, and here's here's your fifty point plan to get there. I might just say, I feel like that's missing a few crucial steps, and right now isn't executable. Yeah, you could say and like, like my like, understanding is this thing, but uh, I might be wrong. I don't know, but uh, here's how I don't know. Or you could just ignore it. Yeah, or you can ignore it, and, it's and, depending yeah. on how little you want to interact with it at all. Yeah, and the, <laughs> maybe like, it's zero percent. There's there's no rule <laughs> saying you have to comment on everything, right? So, um, but there there's so there's the the version that is like actually helpful, and the one that's not, where all you're doing is just propping yourself up by yeah. by making another idea or another person feel smaller and stupid, right? 
and that that's not constructive to anybody and as far as like my my vision for what i'd imagine a rationalist community to be like i picture it way closer to the first thing than the second Mm -hmm. you don't walk into a room uh and we don't have this problem in in meet space meetups and i think that's part of why like online stuff is just different Mm -hmm. um if someone came into some half-baked idea there'd be a fun talk about it Mm -hmm. right if if you know someone wanted to talk about it it wouldn't just be like a oh that's dumb yeah, and moving is, on. Um, and that's dumb and you're dumb for thinking it. There's the anonymity of the internet, but there's also the fact that you're not in the room with the person. Yeah. So say like um, Kevin, who's a fictional member of our Denver community, came in and said, uh, man, like, uh, I don't know, uh, communism is awesome. <laughs> you know, brand new to the meetup is just like, hey, guys, like, wow, you're all rationalists. I want to talk to you about why communism is awesome and and better than capitalism, I think. People would probably argue about that, but they would do it in such a way as, like, we'd be sitting in a circle, Kevin would be there, too, and then, like, or, you know, it would never, like, nobody would go to Kevin and be like, you're an idiot, get out of here. I know. Or, or like, or they wouldn't go up and, like, just be like, here's the reasons your ideas are wrong. One, two, three, four, and then walk away. And then Kevin's left standing there. Somebody would come up to him and be like, wow, that person was just a dick to you, you know? Like, the thing is, the person's there. I know I talked about uh, in the We Want More uh, recording that we did a few days ago, I talked about uh, how much I love Quirrell because I really do love Quirrell. Uh, he's a great character. He's and, a very good character. Yeah, and I have a lot of sympathy for him. And I think a lot of rationalists love that sort of Quirrell thing just as much as I do. But I think it's always pretty damn important to, um, not always, but often check in and maybe think to yourself, what would Quirrell do? And if, or what would Quirrell say? And if you're typing something that Quirrell would say, maybe just delete it. Because Quirrell is never a good thing to have in a community. He's always just going to make things bad. Uh, I, I think it's good to have people that have outlier opinions to keep everybody sane. But um, I don't want that to be, I don't, uh, Stephen was talking about. Um, we should have exactly one person like that. And cynicism? his name should be Robin Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> I think like you don't, you don't want to, you don't want a friend to, as you don't want Quirrell as a friend, you want Harry as a friend. Harry will be the same person who'll point out why your idea is bad, but he won't do it in a way that says, and everyone who believes it is stupid. He, he won't do the full Quirrell, you know, rail on how on, on cynicism, right? I think Harry, every community could use one Quirrell, but no community should be just Quirrells or even half Quirrells <laughs> or even two Quirrells. <laughs> one Quirrell is the perfect amount of Quirrell for any community. If you guys remember my review of talking to strangers, they both talk about the holy fool. Mm-hmm. Who is the person outside of the community by you know nature of maybe having Down syndrome or something? The the quote unquote person that used to be called the village idiot. But the thing is that the holy fool glorifies the village idiot because th- there was this acknowledgement that this is the person who can come in and point out something that everybody else is overlooking. Uh, or like the emperor's new clothes, uh, the little child who says he's not wearing anything. Like, there needs to be that person in the community. There also needs to be... There's another thing from uh, talking to strangers. the whole community to be like that. Of the incredibly paranoid person who was totally, like, all about Bernie Madoff is doing this stuff and trying to tell everybody but doing it while by going to his superior, wearing a trench coat and a hat with, like, a secret document box and depositing it on his desk and doing all kinds... Because he's so fucking paranoid. Mm. It was his boss. He could have just walked up to him and said, hey, I think Bernie Madoff is doing X, Y, Like incredibly paranoid people sometimes are really useful to have around but you don't want everyone to be basically like paranoid schizophrenic little because <laughs> that would be awful so i love Rorschach the or something i don't know i love what you helped put my head in yash of relating this all to harry potter and methods of rationality characters 
uh, Moody would not work well in a room full of four other Moody's. Oh my god! <laughs> like they they wouldn't get anywhere. They'd be distrusting that, of everything each other's saying. That's the schizophrenic, saying. paranoid, like level person that you want one of. Exactly. <laughs> having, having a Moody is perfect. Having three out of four Moody's would be uh, out of a they group would, would just be, a be suspicious of each other. Yes, exactly. And get nothing done. And I, I know we do have a hard stop time, so I think it's time one to... More. Oh, yeah, we're past it. One so. more thing. All right. Um, as long as it's fast. Yeah. Steve was talking about cynicism. Uh, I just want to say that I, in particular, I agree with this. And I, how I talk about this is that I, I hate haters. I, I, I hate hater culture and community. Like, there's some people that think it's cool to sit around and, like, just make fun of things mm-hmm. or to, to trash things. And I've been in friend groups or, like, communities where the thing to do is to trash talk stuff and like it's this weird insecurity thing i think this is unfortunately like uh my experience with this is all male friend groups uh often tend to have this thing where it's like it's uncool to like something that just makes you like a nerd or sap or something so like oh man like let's all get together and play this stupid fucking video game oh my god like this this game is so bad like or i don't know like Oh man, you like that band? That band is so gay. Like, just like people getting together and just shitting on everything. And like, the only way you can also be cool is by also being like maximally cynical and hating everything and making fun of it. And it's just like, I hate being in communities like that. It feels like everybody is having these incredible insecurity responses to things all the time and need validation from everybody else. Like, just please be vulnerable. Just somebody go, I love that show. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Steven Universe is fucking great. Like, or whatever. That's a hill I'm ready to fight on hard. That and this can be a, ni- a nice final note. Never shit on something somebody likes. You know, oh my God, like don't yeah. wrong. Like unless like, what they like is really shitty. I disagree, man. <laughs> uh, oh, you <laughs> said that tongue in cheek. Okay, like, yeah. Like I mean, life. If you hate the thing, you can say I personally dislike this thing. But like that's what you, that's what I you love, say. I love how much you love it. Yeah, and I, and I can say that about literally anything, man. Yeah. Like I like and just the general thing is like life in general sucks a bit for most people some of the time at the very least life is, is suffering as the buddha would say All right. right so real and, quick. and so if someone finds something that they enjoy in it don't tell them they're stupid for enjoying no it. no well so i would never like tell someone they're bad for enjoying something and like try to mock them for that because i think that's bullshit that's that's all i'm saying okay if, if, if something does suck and you're like oh man if if you want a version of that that i think is better check this out or well, something like, right specifically my hate on the uh star trek picard that aired uh huh. this year like you were there for that that was just a couple days ago was that was that wrong i think you were expressing your opinion yeah and like you did it in a tongue-in-cheek hard way that says no one should watch it or something but you didn't say you're an idiot if you like it right that's the difference and like if if someone liked it who cares man like they're they're, they might have their reasons like there's a lot of things that just i don't like because um quite a few people i know liked it my my ex-girlfriend loved the scooby-doo cartoon and would watch it endlessly and i I would kind of make fun of her for it she would make fun of herself for it but it was like the thing is she's like i don't know it's just it's got this nostalgia factor uh i love the animation i love the i don't know bring it's like she had perfectly good reasons for loving this thing i had perfectly good reasons for not (laughs) and this didn't need to be a conflict between us and it wasn't but sometimes people will do like, oh, you have bad tastes, and then they get offended by that, and you're like, yeah, that band sucks. Let me like, and they'll argue to you, trying to get you to stop liking this band, or God, or to so agree annoying. that you're stupid for liking this band. And it's just, what is? Why are you doing this? Stop. I... <laughs> that some things are subjective. Dude, in fucking junior high, at one point, uh, I was humming the white stuff because I'm a huge Weird Al nerd. Huh. I love all of Weird, Weird Al Al's stuff. Great. Yeah, and like, I saw him in, I saw him live. And someone was like, so good. are you singing the right stuff? And uh, Which was uh, one of those boy bands, right? Uh, and I was like, no. 
I'm singing the white stuff by Weird Al. They're like, no, you fag, you're singing the white stuff, the right stuff. And I was like, no. And I'm like, I quoted them the lyrics of the white stuff because I'm a Weird Al nerd. I had them memorized. They're like, oh, okay, that's cool then. (laughs) Which, first of all, why the fuck did I feel the need to defend myself? I like, I could have been like, yeah, man, I like what I like. Because you were being attacked. Yeah, but instead I was like, no, man, I'm not one of those lamers that likes the the, the Backstreet Boys or whoever it was. I'm singing Weird Al. Which... I don't... I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah like, I, I feel bad that I felt the need to defend myself at all instead on of one just hand, flipping like, in the bird. There's like an idealized version of you that would have been... But like also you were being attacked and you were just responding kind of with like a, a panic response probably. Yeah. But more than anything, fuck that guy yourself. for being a douche. Yeah, totally. seriously. Yeah. All right. That's a good, that's a good uh, stop point. We okay. got to think of patron. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh, this week we are thinking Luke Hanks... Luke, I hope Luke this Hanks. wasn't yeah too terrible of an episode for you because it was mainly about community norms. But, you know, um, maybe you'd like hearing about how to talk online more civilly. Community norms are super, like, special interest of mine. So maybe maybe Luke is, like, maybe really like into you. it. Yeah. Cool. Or if not, Luke, um, tell us what you do on here. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Luke. We really appreciate it. We and, do. Uh, it's awesome. You help keep this thing running. You do. I was going to say that before we wrap up, I would have liked to have time to talk about the protests and all the fun stuff around that, but that takes 30 minutes and we didn't have it today. So okay. yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to it in a couple weeks. Okay. Well, we may have someone on who disagrees with us on this particular thing and they can explain why they hate civility and want the world to be terrible. <laughs> and maybe we will be convinced. All right. And on that note, uh, we got to roll. So see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. I think black licorice is what you get when, like, you scrub the devil's taint with a cotton swab. Taint liquor.